Well, welcome all of you again to Trailside Thursdays and to the second part of our series on digital faith. Now, this is what I would consider the most important part, but it's also the driest. I'm sorry. We're talking about safety and security, and it's just a necessary in the world that we live in. So I encourage you, as you hear some of the things we talk about, interrupt me. Jump in, ask your questions, throw your thoughts out, because some of the things that, we, that we're going to discuss is ways that people try to access your personal information, which can be a real risk to your personal livelihood and well-being. And like technology is, as we're learning and understanding what technology can do for us, sometimes there's pe people out there looking to use our information against us, but for their own personal gain. So this is an important topic tonight, and, um, and we'll, we'll get into some of the details here in a minute. But um, first, I wanted to bring up this idea of who uses the internet. And I think these are some important stats for the time that we're in now. So most Americans are now using business online. They're using the technology for online with business, school, church. There's a variety of ways that people are using the internet. Um, in 2023, nearly 66% of Americans over the age of 65 are internet users. So it's something that's a part of our daily life at this point. And it's been around about 35 years. So public use of the internet technology is ingrained into the way we do everything in our daily lives. I mean, show of hands, who here pays their bills online? I mean, it's pretty hard not to pay your bills online and many places will charge you extra for not paying your bills online. To send you a paper bill, can, they will charge you an extra dollar or two, so. 63, yes, and, Donna. Uh, you can send a, your bill by mail. And yeah. Get it gets lost and you get a charge of 30 bucks. Yes, it does. You, Which happened this last week. Yes, it's a legitimate thing. Yeah. So, and, and Donna, thank you for, for what you're saying. And, and just a quick reminder for everyone to include the people at home, use the mics. And what Donna was saying is that you can get charged extra for having to have your bill resent where if it's through email, it doesn't cost you that because it's not the paper printing and the stamping and the sending through the mail. 63.5% of the world population has access to the internet at this point, and that is most of the developed world. That is a, a, a major thing. 92% of internet surfers are using smartphones to browse. Who here has a smartphone? I mean, it's hard to not have a smartphone at this point, whether you want one or not as some people I know here in this room are gonna have one, whether <laughs> they want to or not. And as of March 2023, the global reach of social media has grown to 4.74 billion people. So whether or not you think you're using social media, chances are you are using social media. And that's a broad definition, it's not just Facebook. There are many ways that people are interacting with other human beings on the internet and that can be considered social. Emails can be social media. It is a media, and you're interacting with friends and family and places of business that way. So why do we go online? What's the purpose of it? Well, participating in social and cultural activities, as we learned during COVID times, was one of the safest and only ways to have social activity. Zoom rooms with friends and with your church and family was a necessity. It wasn't fun, but it was, it was a way to get it done. And I think I mentioned this last week, some of us like Mother Rita, myself, and Mother Jean, 
we did an entire year of seminary on Zoom alone. We didn't even gather in person for the entire year of 2020. We didn't have a choice, but still community grew out of our connection by using the internet, connecting through Zoom, seeing each other's faces and talking to each other. Keeping in touch with loved ones and friends. I don't know about you all, but I see nieces and nephews posting pictures on Facebook that they're probably not going to send me by mail or even an email, but at least I'm able to keep up with friends and family. And I've got family all across the country. I'm, I think we all probably do. And to see what's going on with your family elsewhere, it's, it's a nice thing to be able to keep track of what we all are doing. Online banking, shopping and investing is all done through the internet. Not, not, not you, Susan. Why, why is that? Grab the mic. <laughs> it's okay. There's no wrong answers. To start a discussion, I was just saying, no, I, 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 I'm really uncomfortable banking online. I don't know why. It's just, I guess, my age. <laughs> and that's perfectly acceptable. That's perfectly fine. Everybody has a different level of security with us. You know, I have a watch, and I go to Quick Trip and grab a drink and pay for my gas, and I hold my watch to the little credit card scanner, and it charges it instantly right to my credit card. And it's convenient, and it's safer than a credit card because it creates unique QR code numbers every time that can't be replicated. So it's actually a safer way. But there, it's, how, it's, how there's you, no right how, or wrong how answer. How do you know it's not grabbing that QR code when you're just walking by? <laughs> well, you know, that's actually something that Apple as a corporation has addressed. By having unique individual codes every time you scan, you can't replicate it twice because of the amount of series of numbers and letters and figures that they use. And I'll show you some of those things as we talk about internet passwords and secure, being secure online. The more complicated it is, the harder it is to steal. Now, the problem is all of our human brains struggle to remember all those passwords because it's a lot and there's ways to manage that. And, also, ways to navigate those things. But not doing banking online is perfectly fine. It's perfectly acceptable. And it's probably the safest way to prevent any sort of theft. I mean, frankly, it's always a risk. Whenever we're using technology, there's risk involved. And we talked last week about what risk is with technology. We're putting ourselves out there for good or bad. I have a theological belief that it's good for us to put ourselves out there in some ways, but it's also good for us to discern what's safe for us. Everybody has a different comfort level. Um, but making travel arrangements, has anybody seen a travel agent in the past 20 years? They're hard to find. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're harder and harder to find, and a lot of them are using the internet to find bookings for hotels and flights. Is that why Mother Anne is no longer a travel agent? It could be, it could be, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, getting medical advice and information. Um, you know, with my doctor's office through the St. Luke's Health System, there's an app on my phone. It's the St. Luke's Portal. And I'm able to send a message to and from my doctor's nurse and get an answer back 10 times faster than if I tried to call and leave a message and hope they call me back by the end of business day. So, I mean, it gives you accessibility to things that we wouldn't have before. Um, sharing and viewing pictures. I mean, we talked about that with social media, but uh, one of the things that people love is to see other people's experiences and to share the art of visual media is a wonderful way to do it through the internet. And of course, the dreaded political views, exploring and sharing political views in the 
the virtual arena of talk and, and our town hall, that would be the Facebook news feed. For good or bad, it is one way that people feel heard. And that is something as Christians, we have an opportunity to express our faith and our belief in that space just like anybody else does about anything. So we started touching on the risks and what are the risks of going online. So according to the National Council on Identity Theft Protection, there's an identity theft case every 22 seconds in the United States. I don't know about you, but that doesn't make me too comfortable. I mean, that sounds like a lot. And it is a lot. And it is, it is very easy to unsafely navigate the internet and find yourself in a situation where you've given away personal data that can allow people to collect more on you and then before you know it, you're struggling to get control of your banking and your investments and other things that, that could be out there in your name. In most cases, identity theft originated with just a click. Uh, a link in an email, a sketchy website. Um, we all want to believe it can never happen to us, but just as we were preparing for the class, Jen Sackoff and I were sitting in the back talking about the amount of text messages we get every day that are not from real people, that are spam. And clicking on the link they send you you can, might be giving information away about yourself that could compromise your identity. It's, it's a real risk, and it's something that we have to keep an eye out for. We never can mitigate risk to be zero. It's not possible. It's the same in real life as it is in virtual life. Every time you go for a walk, every time you get in that car and go for a drive, there's risk involved. And the more we understand risk, the more we can navigate safely in the areas where risk is in, in life. So the next area is talking about online fraud and scams, you know, fun topics here. So common online scams, you uh, think about personal emergency scams, receiving messages and phone calls from people saying a loved one is in jail and needs bail, or in the hospital and needs a bill paid. Or and your grandchild is in trouble, yeah. and I say, but I don't have one. <laughs> That's a legitimate point, Donna, exactly, yeah. And, and, and how, are, how are people looking to use your emotional response to emergencies to give away your information in order to hopefully save the loved ones that you have? The other one we get a lot is the you owe money scam. Email saying you have a bill due. I get an email at least once a day in my email box that looks like the company I get my television from, the cable company I get my television from, but if you look at the email address and you look at some of the wording in it, it doesn't look right and I don't have the email sent to that email box but to a different email box that's for billing only and I know this can't be real. It's keeping an eye out for some of those, those little things. People are trying to get you to give over your credit information. Online dating is another one and it's real. Um, I have been married since before online dating was a thing, but from what I gather, um, there are people in the online dating world that are not, not who they say they are, but they're using identities that are fake, trying to get you to give over information about yourself so they can, once again, capture your data and create credit cards and financial scams in your name. And there's a whole show on MTV called Catfish that's... Is there really? Yeah, dedicated to people who set up fake profiles and try to draw people in. And I mean, people have 
communicated with this fake person for years yeah. in some instances. And some of the red flags are like, they never want to talk on the phone or they never want to video chat. Yeah, it's wild. You know, it's, it's, and it's real. And I mean, to the point that there's even a term for it called catfishing. And, you know, everybody's in a different point in their life. Dating happens at all different ages. It's not just young people. You know, robocall scams are real. How many people, how many people call you and then you answer the phone from an unknown number and they say nothing in response and it feels fishy or they try to sell you life insurance or some other things that you've never heard of before? Best to just hang that phone up. You know, um, the, the, the one that kind of blows my mind but it legitimately hurts people because they feel like it's too good to be true. Has anybody ever gotten the random email from the, the mysterious prince in another country, like an African country saying, I, I have wealth to give you? Somebody's clicking on those and accepting, trying to accept the money that isn't there, but what they are giving away could be potentially a security answer to a question for one of your banks. It could be your credit card information. It could be your routing information. You know, for all of us in the room that are old enough to remember using checks, and I still use checks for many reasons, every time you write a check, there's a number, a series of numbers at the bottom that can give away all your information to your bank. And every time you sign that check and hand that over to a cashier, you have given access to your bank to the cashier. So there's risk in the real world with our financial information that we have often not thought about, but it has been going on since before the internet. Routing numbers and account numbers can allow people to access your information, especially if they have your name and address on the check. Many banks will now encourage you not to put personal information in the return area of your check, just your name, but not your address, not your phone number. That can give away information. And lately there's been a big problem with people breaking into the blue post office boxes that are out on the streets. Really? And they're taking envelopes with checks in them. They're taking checks, they're washing the checks. Oh my gosh. And filling them out in their own, you know, payable to them for a much larger sum of money. And it's, it's, I mean, it's been in the news a lot. You know, as we know, crime knows no bounds. For years, I've actually gone to inside the post office, and people might think that I'm weird doing it. I have some family members think that I'm weird doing that, but I don't really care. <laughs> I uh, was leaving, no, I was going into the bank, uh, I mean the post office at, um, off of Gregory. A man was coming out, and he says, oh, uh, don't put any of your mail in the blue boxes out by the street. He lost a check of over $6,000. Oh, my gosh. It's such a risk. Yes, Russ. I was going to say the, the scam things, to me, they're all about our own emotional life. You know, yeah. I can remember seeing a, a thing on, I think it was eBay, uh, for, a, for a lens that I wanted. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the price seemed low, so yeah. I pursued it, and it turned out it was... You know, it was, they had another way. You, they didn't want you to go through eBay, you know, to They wanted you to give for a personal contact. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's what we call not passing the sniff test. Right. If it feels suspicious, it's better to disengage. Contact your bank or your credit card institution and ask them if they've been trying to contact you about this. 
And it's always important to bring them in on it because they have great fraud detection agencies that can help with mitigating that risk. And it's important. You know, one of the other ways that people can access your information, and unfortunately this happens often for, for those of us who are less technologically inclined, is somebody who pretends to be from the geek squad from Best Buy or pretends to be from Microsoft Microsoft as, as, a, as a customer service agent or Apple as a customer service agent saying they need access to your computer. You have an infection, a virus on your computer and they need you to give them your login information, your IP address, all these things that give away not only your computer information but your physical location in the world and now they know where you live. So recognizing if it feels funny and it feels like somebody's pushing for your information, maybe it's best to put it on pause and say, I'll call you back and then go call the institution they claim to be from and see if somebody's trying to, trying to get to you. You know, it, and, and it, it just takes, it takes one mistake based upon, like Russ said, you know, that emotional desire to get you to think something's too good to be true. Chances are it probably is if it's from the internet. It probably is too good to be true. So that leads us into the idea of safe shopping and banking. You know, as Susan said, banking online is not something she does, and that is that is a wise choice and one of the ways you can do it. There are many ways that we we can make ourselves safe, and it's all up to our own comfort level as to what we feel safe with. Um, being aware of phishing and not clicking on links in your email unless you're 100% sure they're legitimate. Chances are they may not be. If it's important enough, you might get a certified letter in the mail with a phone number to call back, and that would be important. Being wary of any offer that's too good to be true, like Russ said, you know, something on eBay that's too cheap for considering the quality of what they're selling. That can be legitimate. And only shopping at reputable merchants. You know, I know that um, it's easy to get caught up in what's online, where you can shop for things, but I try to think of if it's a physical business and I've been to a physical business and they have an online presence, it's probably a safe place to shop. You know, if you go to Walmart, walmart.com is a safe place to shop as one example. Um, but Amazon is well known and it's also the number one place that people shop in the United States in 2023. And then one of the little things to look for is secure websites. And not many people think about, you know, at the top of your internet browser, all the numbers and letters that are, that are in there. But looking for this is HTTP. Usually you see HTTP colon www.standrewkc.org. Well, if it's a secure website, it'll be HTTPS colon then the, web, the website. The S indicates that it is secured, which means that when you log in, there's a personal identity that is attached to your login at that time that can't be replicated. So if people are looking for information through that website, it would be harder to trace who you are and when you're logging in. Little things like that, especially with financial institutions, shopping online, anything that involves a money transaction is an important thing to look for. It's, it, it really helps you understand you're in a safe location that has security settings around it that, that makes it safe for you to log in. And always read the fine print. It's very easy for us not to read the fine print whenever we download a new app on our phone or we make an agreement financially, but a lot of the details are in that fine print of how they can give your information away to other institutions. I mean, how many of you get hundreds of emails a day? 
I mean, it's ridiculous to the point that sometimes you can't mitigate it, so you end up opening a new email box to put your important emails to go there instead. And then eventually that one fills up. It's virtual junk mail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you explain about the cloud, how yeah. safe it is, and what actually goes in the cloud? You know, um, I, I will do my best, and let me say what I understand about the cloud. The idea of a cloud for storage, it's somebody else's computer. There, th it's somebody else's computer. You are choosing to store your information on someone else's computer. Whether it's a large Silicon Valley server rack at Apple headquarters in Cupertino, California, that's storing your personal pictures and data, or it's another place, you're essentially allowing the internet to move your items from your computer to that computer, and you're entrusting that agency to secure it for you. The cloud as an idea is a little bit misleading, and I think that may be a little intentional with the titling of calling it the cloud. They're saying it's virtual storage, but the way the internet works, if we break this down to a very visual basic, it's still the telephone system. Nothing's changed. It's one phone on this end and one phone on this end and wires in between. So for you to leave a voicemail message on this phone here, you have to call it and leave that message. And then they call you back and leave a message on your phone. And that's the data storage is not happening on the, on the telephone wire, it's happening on the devices on the ends of the telephone wire. So when it comes to the idea of the cloud, the data you're choosing to store, you're storing on a computer by the organization that represents it. Here at the church, we have a giant cloud system with Microsoft. And we store all of our data at the church that isn't financial, that is a separate system that is under a different level of security. But all of our information, like Jen and I will share conversations back and forth about adult formation development and podcasting, those emails, those, those documents we send each other are stored in the Microsoft cloud, and we're entrusting Microsoft to keep it safe for us. And understanding that these agencies have insurance policies that if your stuff gets stolen, you're compensated well for it, but the problem is, is it's always still a risk. So recognizing that the cloud is essentially somebody else's computer you're renting space on is the best way I can say it. I don't know if, it, Jen, does that make sense to you? Am I, I mean, it's, it's probably the best understanding I have of it. Yeah, that's a good, a good way to put it. I'm, yeah, virtual storage mart, as Kim says. Yeah, I That's mean, a good way it's, to put it. it's a very good way to put it. Um, and it's always wise to to be mindful of what you store on the cloud. It's also mind, good good idea to just be mindful of what you store on a hard drive, too, because we all know hard drives crash. Yeah. Um, so it's all about weighing the pros and cons and what you're most comfortable with. Yeah. I tend to store a lot of stuff in the cloud, but that's because I work from home. I work virtually. Um, so it's, you, like you've said, Adam. It's, it's risk. It's, it's risk. And, no and risk management. What, yep, what you do, yeah. there's going to be some level of risk yes. involved. The more educated we are on risk management and what the risk is, the more informed we can be with our decisions and the safer we can be with that information. Now, storing pictures of my pets on the cloud versus my banking information is very different. You know, the pet pictures can definitely go on the cloud, 
but the banking information will never go there because I recognize the risk. Russ? Well, I was going to say, if you have Apple system where you have a, a watch and a computer, and, yeah. uh, it stores automatically on the cloud. Yes, it does. In order for those to be synchronized, it has to be somewhere else. Yes. And so you don't have any control over that. Yes. That's what, you know, a good point is, is this computer is so thin, that's yeah. because it doesn't have a lot of storage on it. It stores the stuff we do on a cloud. Right. Now, when it comes to like, you know, running the, the live stream for our church broadcasts, I actually have an external hard drive. I back up all the things you see on the screen onto that. So if we ever have a crash or a problem, we can easily re-upload it off that external hard drive. Even though it's stored in the cloud, it's one more layer of protection. So it's just the idea that how many hard drives are you storing it on? And are you renting space from somebody else's hard drive? And did Father John actually say that? You know, on a, in what, a sermon? Did he? Did he? No. I'm, oh. I'm saying you can check it again. Uh, yes, exactly right. You know, one of the beautiful things about having worship services available for years to come is we can go back and look, oh, how did we do that last year? Oh, that's how we did this procession last year. Because it's easy to write it down, but some, some of us are more visual-based and we need to watch the video again, and it's really helpful to get an idea. But it's, you know, it, 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 with the risk comes reward. It's just a matter of education and understanding what, what risk looks like for us. So online fraud and scams. We talked about financial scams, including someone posting from your bank, credit card, or brokerage account, someone posting, uh, posing as the IRS or Social Security agent. I mean, I don't know about you all, but I've gotten those calls before where somebody claims to be from the IRS. And I've actually followed up by getting on irs.gov, finding the report on, on reporting the phone number as fraud, calling and making a report with the IRS, and then make it clear, yes, that, that phone number's been reported to us thousands of times in the last 24 hours. And there's no way to track it. There's no way to catch it. But the reality is, is the IRS and the Social Security Agency will never call you, they will never send you an email, they will send you a letter in the mail. If they need to contact you, they will always do it by traditional USPS mail. So when you get those phone calls, especially the ones that are coming with heightened emotion, saying you're delinquent in your taxes, or you owe more, or we have money for you, the real r reality is they're not gonna call you with that, they're gonna send you a certified letter that you have to sign for to receive. And that's, that's just something that is important to recognize that people are trying to use emotional leverage against us every day in the, uh, in the world of the internet. Emails from offshore royalty, we talked about that a few minutes ago. And then of course imposters posing as, as tech agents from Microsoft or Apple or the, the, the geek squad at Best Buy. Those, those things are, are legitimate. And I guess the big question that I, I wonder if you're all thinking about is what, why would somebody want this information? Why would they want it? I don't have much money in my bank account. Why do they want my, my information? And the reality is, is with your information, they can do a lot. Social security number and a routing account number to your bank, and they can open credit cards in your name and charge them up fairly quickly. And by the time it's caught and processed, they still have gotten away with thousands of dollars in your name. And that has to be rectified through fraud detection agencies with the credit cards, with your bank. It's frustrating, but it's real. A personal recommendation that I offer to people is be very careful using debit cards in public. 
because your debit card is a direct access to your email or to your, to your banking account. Credit cards have one extra layer of protection. What do you got, Susan? Well, this is an email I got the other day. Yeah. From Social Security. Yeah. Um, and it says that they're gonna stop sending things by the mail, by mail, and that I should go to this link. And I oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'm, That's, I haven't gone there yet. I, I would not click on that link at Are all. Are there any grammatical errors in that email? No, it, it all sounds very, well, Yeah. No. What, 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 what's the email address come from? That would be the curious thing. What's, yeah, what's the email address? Um, no reply. No reply at ssa.gov. Hmm. One thing you can do is Google social security change in, in messaging or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and one thing that you could do is go to the social security's website, mm -hmm. find the phone number to call, speak to, an, uh, to a real representative yeah. and say what you received. Yeah because I would not believe that until they told me it was true. The and they have made it clear they don't email and they don't, they don't call. Jen? And the, the other thing you can do, even though the email address says ssa.gov, if you were to hover over your mouse, your, your mouse over that, at the very, very bottom of your email, it, it will give you what the email address actually is. And so sometimes they're using a oh it, a phantom. Thank you. Yes. yes, a phantom email address. But if you hover over it, you can see the actual email. Oh, that's um, really good. Yes, RF. I don't know if you can do that on a cell phone, but that's that's a no. Okay. Yeah. So Laura brings up a really good point. She pulled out her credit card and she has a little sleeve around it, and they now design wallets the exact same way. And they have a little piece of metal inside the leather that is RF deflecting. Because when you use a credit card, most credit cards have a chip on them now. As a matter of fact, if I remember right, they all have to have a chip on them now, which means you can wirelessly transmit without swiping. Well, people can walk by with an RF reader and steal your credit card information. But inside a RF secured wallet or sleeve like Laura's got, you can protect your information and people can't steal that by being nearby. I mean, how many of us have heard about like the... And, and you can get yeah. those at the little sleeves. You can get an office supply store. Yes, you can. You can get office supply stores. They sell them at Target, Walmart, Amazon. They're everywhere. And they're, they're really necessary for today's day and age. Because I don't know how many of you have seen the stories on the news every now and then when they talk about somebody stole credit card numbers off of the gas pumps because they put a fake swiper that looks like the real swiper on a skimmer. And it skims your credit card information and you don't even have to put your card into it. It can just capture it within a few feet of the RF skimmer if it's in your, in your wallet or in your pocket and it, or your purse and it's unsecured. So it's important to recognize that those little chips transmit a signal through radio frequency at all time. RF stands for radio frequency. So we're not talking about anything, any new technology in the sense that it's still radios, it's still telephone wires, it's just high capacity and it can carry more data faster. We're still dealing with the same equipment and information. It's just we have things on the ends of those telephone wires that can process things faster than we ever could in the past. Thank you, Laura, for bringing that up. I didn't even think about that for this presentation. And that's a really good one. And it's a realistic issue that, that does pop up regularly. So being smartphone savvy, one of the hardest things to do when we have this thing in our pocket that has all this power and all this capability and understand that when we're surfing the internet through it, we're receiving emails, we're potentially 
doing banking through it, where are we potentially giving away our information unintentionally? The biggest one is the apps that you download from. When you download an app from, if you're from Apple, it would be the Apple App Store. If, you know, uh, an Android phone, it would be the Google Play Store. Every app you download will not let you download it until you agree to read the fine print that nobody reads. <laughs> I don't read it. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I would love to say I read the fine print. But it's, pr it's, it's always better to recognize it's good to read the fine print because a lot of the times what you will see in there is that they have the rights and permission to share your information with other organizations that are looking to contact you because you have a similar interest. Hence the email problem. Hence the email problem of thousands of emails in your email box. Mm -hmm. So reading that fine print, recognizing that we're putting trust in these organizations like Apple and Google, that they're not going to put apps on their store that could damage or hurt us. And they have a, they ha have a lot of security around that. They're very careful what apps they let onto their store. But that's not the only place you can get apps from. You can go onto websites and download apps onto your phone. And that's where you're kind of getting into the wild, wet, wild west of technology. You don't know what you're downloading, and it can be a risk. And apps can collect information and data. You know, last week we talked about TikTok as the newest social media app with the most amount of momentum with young people. And that's where the controversy comes from with the United States government and TikTok as a corporation that's mostly owned by a Chinese brokerage firm. And that the sharing of information has not been entirely honest with what's being done with the personal information from people who use TikTok and have agreed to download it. And the US government is saying, hey, hang on a second, this is a risk. And this could be risking the lives and livelihoods of Americans we need to take a better look at this. We want some regulations around this app. And they're not the only ones. Facebook is guilty of this too. Facebook has been caught making mistakes with information and data on their users for a long time. One of the, and this sounds cynical, but it's real. There's a reason why Facebook is free to use. Do you know, do you know how any corporation would make money and not charge you a penny to use it? They sell your information. What's that? They sell your information. That's right. They did, but you're still, the, you're still the product they're farming. Yeah, you're still the product they're farming. Facebook is in the business of using your personal data to sell it to the people that advertise to you on Facebook. They're the ones paying for Facebook to be free for all of us to use. And recognizing that this entity that we can enjoy and we can find fun in and we can find interest and value and education in, there's a risk to it we are giving away some of our information. Yes? Did we talk about social media earlier? I was a few minutes late. Just a tiny bit. Okay, so I think one of the big trends that I see going around are people filling out these surveys of like, where have you been? Tell us about your history. Like, what was your first car? All things that are frequently like password security questions. a password? Yes. I'm glad you brought that up and, and that is one of the easiest ways to give away access to your information. Who was your first grade teacher? What was the name of your first pet? A lot of those are our security questions to access our financial in information, and especially if you lose your password and you have to go through the process of recovering your password. There may be a process to gather that information. So one of the things I did put on here, and I truly do, truly do believe this despite what we're talking about, Google and Apple 
are probably not listening to you through your devices. We hear those risks, we hear those stories that pop up from time to time. Yes, there's a chance that they could, but they're probably not because they have a reputation to uphold as being a safe place for you to do virtual business in the internet world, and they're not gonna risk their reputation by being caught in a lie. So that's something to think about when it comes to security when, when you're online. But in the uh, locations, yeah. turning your locations off, I, I do that. Yeah. And what's interesting is it, they know how to play you. The, the weather app says, in order to continue to use this, you have to go to your settings and turn locations off. Yes. Well, no, you just wait for that message to go away and you access again and, and it'll be fine. Yeah, and sometimes you can, says, you can you manually can choose. Yes. Yeah. All of these things that they want you, but there's not, there's very, very rarely things that you really need your location on. That's very true. I personally keep my location information off. And I recognize that, yes, I would love to have the weather information for Kansas City, and I can manually choose Kansas City as the place to receive my weather information from without giving them my GPS location and coordinates. And with, when your locations are on, they have access to that. So what's the risk of some nerd in Silicon Valley knowing where you are? You know, it's a risk. And I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that there's, I'm not sure there's a solid answer for that, but what I could say is it's a general practice and rule of thumb on that. Don, yeah. Uh, if you live in Kansas and your location is Arizona, you're not at home. <laughs> and that's a really good point. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, they say that, that when, you, when you Thanks, Don. when you travel, you don't want to share. Said only by somebody in Kansas who lives in, yeah. in Arizona. You know, they say a good rule of thumb when you travel, it's best not to post about where you're traveling to, when you're at the airport and leaving town. And everyone that does that is taking a risk. They're putting the information out there that they're not home right now. And, you know, that's a good point that you make as we are right up against summer and so many people take vacations. Yes. Not saying don't take the beautiful vacation photos, take them, yeah. but don't post them while you're actually on vacation. Post them when you get back. Yeah. That way people, you're not throwing out a red flag. I'm not home, I'm in the Caribbean, yeah. <laughs> come rob me, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's and, and really the thing is, is it's creating awareness around recognizing what you are doing and creating a footprint that stays on the internet forever. You know, when we're, making these choices, because I choose to share things on the internet that I know stay forever. And I recognize, is this something I'd be ashamed of 10 years from now? Is this the kind of thing I would want to have come back at me when I make this post? Or when I talk about traveling here or there? It's thinking ahead about these things, because we're leaving a footprint behind, and some of this can, can be risky. Okay, now you, now you made my mind go yeah. in a different direction. Yeah. I think that we can be really good safety and digital evangelists for younger people yeah because a lot of people who are younger don't necessarily think about the repercussions of posting the wild crazy photos maybe yeah on on social media but those come back to haunt them sometimes i mean i don't know how many stories we've had of maybe educators who have lost jobs because mm -hmm. they've posted a photo because they've had a beer or something yeah. um so the more that we can have these conversations and kind of be digital evangelists about how these Very things true. come back to haunt us. And especially in the job hunting world, many businesses that are looking to hire you may do a social media search on you. 
Uh, they, they do. Yes, yes, Don. <coughs> there's a uh, there's a silver lining on having a footprint all around the internet. Yeah, is that once you realize that, <coughs> uh, the internet kind of takes the place of God. <coughs> God can see inside. Yeah. God knows everything. All knowing. And knowing that that occurs, it has the impact of subduing us, and relaxing us, and keeping us more or less out of trouble. So if you know the internet is the wild west and you know if you're out there, my rule has, well, <clears throat> when I was younger I didn't have the rule so much, but yeah. the older I get, the rule is uh, uh, secrets are not good. Mm -hmm. Tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Don't go where you're not supposed to go. Don't do what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. And you won't have too much to worry about. And that's the kind of wisdom that younger people need to hear. And we, as older people, have to reinforce that because this, if you were growing up in this day and age where all this technology was available, all these things were available, I mean, I know my teenage hormones, I would have done, said, said stupid things on the internet that I wish I could take back. And it's a common thing that we're seeing children deal with now. I mean, college applications, they do a social media search on you. I mean, once again, just like hiring your chance of getting into a ed higher educational institution can be risked by poorly cho chosen social media posts. And you know, the whole idea here is that people who are looking to scam you, the risks that you're taking, it can throw you off balance in life. And it's something that we don't want the internet to be. We want it to be a place where it's safe to navigate and use. And it's important that as people who are invested in a safe place where all people are welcome, like a church. We want to try and emulate that in the rest of the world when we go out here, because as your deacon, it's my responsibility and privilege to say, go in peace, go out. The service may be over, but the work is not done. And the work we have to do is in all different areas and corners of the world, and one of those is in virtual spaces. It's, 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 it's a value. And look out for people trying to create false emergencies, trying to work you up emotionally. I have a friend who recently discovered, um, or recently had a tragedy and, and, and had an injury, and his aging mother lives alone and started receiving phone calls from people pretending to be from a jail looking for her to wire money for bail when in reality he was in the hospital. But there was a risk because they knew this was somebody that was aging, that wasn't quite sure about the details, and they were looking to take advantage of an 84-year-old woman. It really does happen, and it happens every day. And we have to help each other with these things. It's called baiting. Baiting, yeah. When people try to appeal to your sense of emotion for sympathy. Yeah, and it's, and it's something that mm -hmm. scam artists will use. And it's not just on the internet. Scam artists will use that in other areas of life. If you've ever I mean, walked down. I mean, technically, the Girl Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I wouldn't it's agree a joke. with that. It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gateway drug, but it's a joke. <laughs> you know, it's uh, when you walk down the city streets and you see people looking that are street entertainers looking to stop you and have you put money in, in the tip jar. Some of those people may not be there for entertainment purposes. They could be there for other purposes and looking to capture your information and imagination. There's always risk when we're out in the world. 
Something that has been bothering me lately is, you know, we have the Pray at Eight uh, series. There is someone who will pop up from time to time Mm -hmm. uh, in the comments saying how she and her children are struggling and giving her Venmo account number. And I have no way of knowing if that's just some sleaze bag and... You know, we don't. And as a matter of fact, tonight during the worship service, Jen and I intercepted one of those messages on the live stream for this this night right now. And our policy is that we remove those messages and we remove them as quickly as possible. Oh, good to know. And and, and here's and here's why, because they're wanting you to contact them and it could be potentially a risk for people coming to worship whether in person or virtually, to suddenly find themselves in a space where they're emailing somebody out of compassion. That's, my, that's been my yeah. concern, that one, someone who has come to pray with us might yes. be pulled into a scam of some kind. And, and yeah. it, it could be a legitimate emergency that we want to help with. And one of the things that myself and Lauren Richardson, our communications manager at the church, do is we log who is reaching us. Because if they could continually try to reach us, we, we try to encourage them to contact us through our official means to help people, which is through the church office with Mary Sanders. She has a list of, of, inf- of things that she can give people in need. We have charity that we offer to the world, but we have ways to do it. And engaging people that are coming to worship with the desire to have you Venmo them money is a risk. And it's a risk that we don't, we, we want this to be a safe place in more ways than one. But it is real, and, and there are people that do try to scam churches. I, I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. I think, actually, um, what we used to consider the narthex is really our social media, yeah. uh, for at least for the church, is, is, is the narthex now. Mm-hmm. And so you have to get that. Before and after the services. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, I mean... As a priest, I remember people sort of waiting, you know, uh, they come and and when I was over there, you know, the, somebody, usually an usher would say, someone here needs some help, you know, yeah. that was a, it was a personal interaction, but it was still, you know, yeah. so this is, you know, the social media has substituted for the, the yes. personal element, and I think it's good that you have an, a standard operating, well, okay, if you need help, here's the way to get it. Yeah. You know, it's not, not saying no. Correct. Just saying, you know, it's this not is that not don't the way help. to get it. Yeah, it's not that we don't want to help. We do want to help. Right. But we can only help people in a very, very disciplined way so that way we are not putting our people in risk. Done. But to add to what Russ was saying, I... Uh, I uh, there's an orga- organization uh, called Compassion, an online organization, mm-hmm. and I actually uh, uh, um, help fund two young children in Africa. Yeah, and I read a lot about them. They got a website. It mm-hmm. sounds legit. I get letters from the the, the, the kids, mm-hmm. but there's this thing in the back of my head. I don't know these people. Yeah, and it's risk. I I, I am totally at risk mm-hmm. and. At this point, I'm willing to risk that. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. But as we get into artificial intelligence, they're going to get more and more 
good at convincing me that yeah. they're real and I'm going to have to shut it off because I don't trust them. I share that I share that similar concern uh, aiding doctors without borders for a while recognizing that this is an opportunity to help people receive medical attention they need is that money really reaching the people on the ground and like many charities you can do your research and dig into the overhead how much of that money you give is actually going to the people on the ground that they're wanting to help and how much of it is going towards the overhead of the organization it's 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 risk and it's information that we have to seek in order to be responsible and to avoid fake news and the term fake news is not just something invented by a presidential candidate seven or eight years ago but it's legitimately something that's out there and like you said AI things that are written are they written by human hands are they written by computer artificial intelligence we don't know and we're entering a whole new wild west that we'll, none of us can imagine so, yeah. I got one of those today. I, uh, yes. I wasn't getting a response back from that entity that yeah. I was expecting from the individual if it had been from them. And then when I saw that person next, or you know, I texted him, saw him next, he's a local businessman, mm -hmm. and they were promoting grants. Yes. But they scammed him out of, at like I, four to $5,000. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my so gosh. He was pretty upset, you know, and yeah. I was thankful that I didn't fall for that. But, it, you know, it... It, it happens easily. It does. And unfortunately, one of the, I, I think I probably get a friend request from a parishioner that I'm already friends with on Facebook every single day at this church. And I know it's not just here. It's everywhere. And the question I always ask is, how do people keep losing their personal identity and having somebody open a fake account in their name and in their picture? And from some research I've done on this, and one of the things that I know I don't do, because I'm not a game player in any way, I don't even like the crossword puzzle. It drives my wife crazy. I won't do Sudoku, none of that stuff. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a reader, and I listen to radio. That's what I do. Yes, but, but people play games on Facebook and on other social media entities, and there's fine print to those games. And when you sign up for that, is this a legitimate game, or have you just given away your identity? Unfortunately, You've given away your identity more often than not. And then you have people imitating your profiles and sending messages in your name, sometimes with some really awful stuff. And it happens frequently. Yeah. I was going to say this. Um, I'm a retired 78-year-old uh, clergy person. Uh, but I have, <laughs> oddly enough, a number of... of uh, at least from the pictures, mm -hmm. uh, really fetching young women who who uh, email me uh, quite mm -hmm. a bit. Uh, I, I'm by say quite a bit. I mean several times a week. Yeah. Uh, uh, texting even. Um, and uh, I had this one experience. <laughs> what did she say? Oh, she was making a joke about, about, she said, do you want me to stop sending you those messages? <laughs> no, please don't. Um, they, I had this one woman who contacted me, said she was a physician. I checked it out, she was. She yeah. was working for Doctors Without Borders. Mm -hmm. And um, 
she was asking about she was she had uh, she was ending her term with them in some African country. Yeah. And uh, she was coming back, and then she was going to need to uh, ship some stuff. Yeah. And she wanted me to make arrangements for that shipping. Mm. Well, I was reluctant. Yeah, I'd be um, reluctant too. But but then I was really reluctant when it turned out that I was supposed to pay for the freight and that she would reimburse me. You know, this goes and back to that idea of passing the sniff test. Right. Yeah. I said uh, I said no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And of course, we had been emailing back and forth and and uh, pictures and you know. Yeah. Uh, was it? It was yeah. It was a relationship. Uh, you know, and I thought. Well, okay, but I'm not doing it. You know, yeah. it's just hard and fast rule. You know, if you, I said, you know, you're going to have to find somebody else to give you that money to to send that. I'll be glad yeah. to be re the recipient of it mm -hmm. if that's what you need. But, you know. It's a risk, and, and it goes back to that idea, does it feel off? Trust your senses. Right, right, right. right. And back away from those things because there, there's real risk in that and sometimes we're not even aware of what we're giving away and until it's too late. And I, the, the other's yeah. person identity might be entirely different than what I think it is. Too. Yeah, it could be. You know, I mean, they have these pictures and, and you know, I'm saying, wow, oh, hey, isn't yeah. this nice? You know, but no, not really. You know, it's, um, it's a good rule of thumb if you don't know someone personally that probably you should treat them as the same kind of stranger on the online as you would treat them as if you were walking down a sidewalk and somebody stopped you and said, hey, I really need to give you this money and I need you to do this with it. Would you trust a stranger off the street to say, take my money and do something with it? Or, or will you give me money? I mean, it, it, yes, we should try to be charitable and understand people's needs, but we're taking a risk and we're doing it in an environment that isn't designed for that. And the internet might as well be a giant highway that you're standing on, and lots of things are passing past you. And a lot of that information is coming from people that you have no idea if they're telling you the truth about themselves or not. And it's better to assume that this is not a good place for this kind of interaction. I do want to say um, that I wanted to get into some things about password security. I can't believe it's almost 7.30. This hour went by faster than I could have imagined. We're going to save that for next week. We're going to get into some good rules of thumb on how to create safe passwords, how to manage and store them. I will always recommend paper and pencil. Paper and pencil is still the most secure way to store your passwords. Just don't forget where you put that paper. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. So there are, there are some tools, and I, and I look forward to that conversation. But I appreciate all of you and the, and the, the thoughts and expressions you brought to the table here. We have more to talk about, and I look forward to next week we'll get into this and a little bit of hands-on with some, some basic applications of how to best use your equipment in the world that we're in. So thank you all. Appreciate it.